that you would be glorified this morning. I ask it in your name. Amen, Jesus. So, um, yeah, my name's Gary Barrow. Uh, Tina is my wife. We've uh, been in this church now for, like uh, Pastor Zeke says, a year or so. We were missionaries in Europe. I was uh, asked originally to teach at the Bible College in Hungary. We moved there in 2001. And uh, so we were missionaries in Europe between 2001 and 2016. Five years in Hungary, 10 years in Germany. We planted a church in Bavaria uh, during the height of the war on terror. And uh, the vision God gave us was to reach out to young military men and women that were away from uh, their church for the first time, away from their home. Military is not a great influence on, on young men or women for that matter. And so that's what we did. We had a lot of, uh, of course, Germans in our church, expats, and uh, a lot of American military. It was such a blessing. And, and the Lord moved us back to the States uh, a year and a half ago. It was difficult for us to come back. He, he moved us to Victorville. And, and uh, maybe you don't know this, but Victorville's not like Europe very much. You know? <laughs> in fact, it's nothing like Europe. And so it's been a little bit hard for us because Europe is our home. We, we love it there. But the Lord led us here to um, Calvary Chapel Phelan. And, you know, uh, it's kind of a funny thing. We call it our home, our home church now. And, uh, you know, you might be like one of the ushers I talked to this morning. Wow, we've never seen you. <laughs> Well, that's because we come on, on Thursday nights. We go to our sending church. We attend our seven, sending church, Calvary Chapel Saving Grace, which is down in Yorba Linda. We attend uh, there on Sunday mornings. I have duties to uh, do there, too. So um, we're so thankful the Lord led us here. It's kind of a funny thing. I, we love Zeke and Blanca. I mean, boy, you know, talk about a, a great heart and a, a loving pastor and, and uh, his wife. The first three or four times that we attended Calvary Chapel Phelan, it was actually missionaries that were speaking, you know? And uh, it was kind of funny because, uh, you know, Zeke would come up to me later and say, I hope you don't think that I, I don't teach. I hope you don't think that it's just missionaries sharing. But, you know, it was just so good to find a church that had a heart for missions. And I was uh, just automatically, we just felt like home. We were so welcomed here. And so... Uh, if you would, please, I'm going to tell you this. We just returned from a trip to South Asia, okay? Um, since, you know, the, rec- the service is recording, we don't actually say where we were because there's persecution. And the persecution is real. So for security reasons, we don't want to endanger any people that are there. We don't want to endanger the work that's going on there, um, The persecution is real. Just a few weeks before we left, one of the pastors that we work with, um, he and his wife were uh, arrested, beaten, put in jail under false uh, accusations. Uh, They're out now. And they were actually lucky. Well, of course, luck has nothing to do with it, right? It was God's mercy on them that everything that they owned, including their house, wasn't burned. And so we don't actually say where we've been. If you post anything um, later on Internet, if you happen to do something on social media, please refer to it as just South Asia. Okay, we don't want to give any details. The other reason is we want to protect our ability to, to reenter into the country. 
You know, if we're flagged for any reason at all, that we're there doing something other than tourism, uh, we won't gain entry into the country. So I just ask you to be sensitive to that. If you happen to talk to somebody or post something, you know, just uh, please um, just be sensitive. Uh, We're so thankful again, Pastor Zeke and uh, the church, you guys helped fund this last trip. We're so thankful God did radical things, and there was crazy fruit that was born out of this trip. I can't, I can't begin to tell you the things that God has done because it's been so, it was so radical. Unless you were there, it's impossible to, to, I wish I could just put my hands on you and transfer what God did and what I know that he did, and it would just transfer to you, but um, we can't do that. So I just want to let you know there's crazy fruit that was born from this trip, and this church is sharing in that fruit. So I'm going to give you a brief update of of the trip, explain some of the things that went on. And then I'm going to uh, encourage you. I mean, my goal today is, in, is to encourage you to stir your hearts, to get involved. I want to tell you how you can get involved, okay? So we were gone for 18 days, and in 18 days we had 10 flights and 10 flights equaled uh, close to 22,500 air miles. And so we literally traveled to the other side of the world and back. We started in the foothills of the Himalayas, and then we uh, went to the jungles. And, you know, the Himalayas are, boy, if you haven't been, which I've never been. This is my first trip to the Himalayas. It was amazing. Temperature was wonderful. Not 102 outside. It was great. It was beautiful. But then we got to the jungle, and it was less beautiful. I mean, it was beautiful, but the temperature, it was close to 100 degrees and 98% humidity. It was, uh, you know, surprisingly, I, I didn't have that big of a problem with it. But um, yeah, so that's what we did. Well, 10 years ago, uh, Pastor Trent of Calvary Chapel um, saving grace he took a trip to south asia and god had his path crossed with a man named pratim and they started a, a small pastor's college what they did was they rented out a house and they just began pouring into uh, just a handful of guys and training them and now just so you understand this is a place where there are very few christians and there's no gospel at all this is the area of the world that is referred to as the unreached. They've never heard the gospel before. They've never heard the name of Jesus Christ before. I mean, can you imagine that? Right? In fact, one of the guys that works with us, he was telling us a story one time how he went to a village and asked, uh, Hey, do you know Jesus? And they said, No, he doesn't live in this village. He must live in the next village. And so they're unreached. And in Romans chapter 15, 20, and 21, Paul said that that was the aim of his life was to preach Christ where nobody else has gone. And I'm telling you, that's our passion. That's our passion. Now, 10 years later, um, God's done some amazing things and and done some amazing work. Uh, and, And it continues. This was our team that we went with, four pastors, um, two young guys, their hearts on fire for the Lord. Two wonderfully godly women. Uh, the guy on the very far right, he's uh, Manoj. He's one of the, the national pastors there. And uh, a year ago, um, 
we only had this pastor school, and it was up in the north towards the Himalayas, right? And uh, these are five guys that graduated this program, and they're now pastoring churches. Now, the guy on the very far left, Rakesh, he was 13 when we first met Rakesh. And uh, he was given a Bible, and he accepted it. He was very thankful for it. You know, he, he said thank you and, and received it. And then he promptly took it down to the river where he ripped it up, mocked it, and burned it. And as he was ripping it up, God began to rip his heart. And, uh, you know, God does that. And Rakesh was radically changed. And these guys are, I can't tell you, these guys are so amazing, right? Um, You might say, well, they're just a bunch of young guys. And, yeah, that's true. But these young guys will put many of us to shame. Sam Veer, he's the one in the middle with the uh, dark shirt on. He doesn't have any transportation at all. Uh, So he walks for two hours in the foothills of the Himalayas to go village to village to share door-to-door Jesus Christ with people that have never heard about Jesus Christ. Rajender, he's the one, uh, like, second on the right, right? So there's there's Rakesh, there's Pradeep, there's Sam Veer, and then there's Rajender. He pastors 10 house churches in a, state that's, in a state that's so persecuted, it's questionable for us to go there, right? He travels to each house church at least one time a week, and he has a Bible study there. We bought him a motorcycle a while back, and when we do something like that, that's what we provide. We provide transportation. We, we allow him the ability to get out every day and preach the gospel, share the love of Jesus Christ, and, and that he was sacrificed or crucified for the sins of the world. And then on the very far right is Reuben. Reuben is the son of Pastor Pratim, that man that uh, Pastor Trent met some years ago. Reuben came to the States a couple years ago. He studied two years at Calvary Chapel uh, Bible College in Marietta, and he went back to, to South Asia. And uh, his father, Pratim, felt the Lord calling him from the north to his state where he grew up. And uh, so he left the ministry to Reuben. And, uh, you know, God has just really poured into these guys. They're, they're doing such great things. They're, they're such good guys. And so while we were there, we traveled to unreached villages there in the foothills of the Himalayas where some of these guys have churches. You see in the top left, there's a room. Uh, the woman kind of sitting on a bench is Nikki. And uh, she shared this day. And it's kind of funny because you see Nikki also on the bottom right, standing with her arm around the lady. Now, if you look at the room in the top left, it's a small room. Imagine something like a room 10 feet by 10 feet. That's where uh, the pastor, that's his, that's his home. That's his room. That's his church. We got like 30 people crammed into that building right there, 10 feet by 10 feet. And it's fairly warm, so I stayed outside. And this, there was a guy looking in the window, and he's barking at this lady that Nikki has her arm around down there on the bottom right. He's barking at her. I don't understand what he's saying, right? But I'm sure it's something like, get out of there. I don't want you listening to what these guys have to say. I want you out of there right now. And, you know, she, uh, like most, most wives, you know, just gave him a look. You know, and he understood what she was saying. Right? <laughs> so he took off. And Nikki shared this day. 
And she brought the fire, I'm telling you. And you know what? This lady in yellow raised her hand when the invitation was given. She said, I'd like to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I want you to know, we don't just go to remote villages and and, uh, preach the gospel and see people get saved and then say, hey, figure it out on your own. You're you're good. Um, No, like I say, this is Sam Veer's village. This is Sam Veer's village. In fact, this is Sam Veer's aunt that got saved this day. So we, we uh, amazing there in the, the Himalayas, in the north there, we had a planning meeting where we just uh, discussed what we're going to do. The pastor school in the north has gone from a pastor school now to a Bible college. We have three Bible colleges here in this area in South Asia, one in the north, which is the planning meeting we're at in this picture. We have one centrally located, one in the south. And we work together with Calvary Chapel Marietta, Bible College Marietta now. And these three uh, Bible colleges now are extension campuses for Marietta. It's really a, a neat thing that God has done. One of the things that we did was to talk about the past, uh, the Bible College, but we also held a pastor's conferences. We held two pastor's conferences on this trip, one there in the north and uh, one in the south. These are the guys that... Uh, taught at the pastor's conference. Pastor Trent is top left and myself top right. Uh, Tim Pappas, bottom left. He's the assistant director, Calvary Chapel, Saving Grace. And then um, bottom right is uh, Pastor Asher Matthew. Now, he uh, is of Indian descent, lived 14 years as a child in India, and then his parents came to the States. He pastors Calvary Chapel La Palma. And uh, just a great guy. Talk about anointed. I mean, uh, Pastor Asher, he has a doctorate degree. He's working on a second doctorate degree. And in the Calvary Chapel movement, that's actually a little bit unusual to have a guy so educated, so anointed, and ridiculously humble. I mean, I fell in love with this guy. He was such a, a neat brother. And uh, we went there from the north to the southern campus here. And the southern campus is there in the jungles. And I tell you what, you're, you're tired. You've been traveling so much. You're in a, a, a actually, we were in a, a disco van. <laughs> they had disco lights in this van. You know, that's what they rented to drive us around. And uh, we're in the jungles, and it's crazy. There's <clears throat> cows in the middle of the road. Hit a cow, go to jail. And uh, <clears throat> people going the wrong way honking horns, everything. It's late. You, you drive up and you see this dove, man. I tell you what, it was such a blessing. Uh, yeah, see that dove in the middle of the jungle. So this is this is the southern campus. Uh, the, the top left building is the um, houses the the sanctuary, houses a library, Bible college offices, uh, a dorm for students and some of the staff. Um, the picture on the right is from the from the houses there in the bottom uh, row, looking towards the Bible college, right? The bottom pictures are are houses that we built for missionaries to come in and to teach. We're going to get Pastor Zeke to go for a week and teach there, just a block class. I've I've told him about it. He hasn't consented yet, but I have a vision. We're going to get him there to just teach a book of the Bible and just pour into these these guys. It's going to be amazing. But God has done such great things here. He gave us this property, 
And you'll see, I'm going to show a video, you'll see Pastor Trent kind of spread his hands out like this over the jungle. And that's the property that God has given us. This is just five to eight acres that we've built the, these, this facility on right now. And I tell you what, God already provided for this work before we even started. And we've put $120,000 into the property, into the buildings. And I'm telling you, this work is so much bigger than anything that we could do. We don't have that kind of money. But if we could do it, we wouldn't need God, right? And God is doing it, and he's letting us be a part of it. And so we were down in the south. This is another planning meeting that we attended. And um, then here's the staff there of the southern campus. Uh, top left is Sam and Amy. Amy, uh, she's an American girl. She came from Calvary Chapel, um, Yorba Linda. She um, married Sam a week or two before we arrived. She had uh, Jaira, her little baby there that she's holding in her arms. Rahith, top right, uh, great brother. He, he graduated Calvary Chapel Bible College in Nepal, and he came here to South Asia and uh, you know what? He's just a neat guy. And he's, he's that doer. He's that worker. He's the guy that has the vision for the property. He's, he's making it happen really neat. Bottom right, Wesley. He, he actually graduated Calvary Chapel Bible College in Hungary. And he came. And uh, you know when he came, he just felt like a fish out of water. Because, you know, there's a lot of Pentecostal faith based, uh, not faith-based, but like a prosperity teaching that's rampant around the world. And, and he just felt out of, out of place because he wanted to go someplace where there was verse-by-verse verse Bible teaching. He wanted to be part of raising people up for the ministry. And he, and he found uh, Calvary Chapel Bible College here in South Asia, and he's just like, took to it like a duck to water. Amazing administrator. He's already kind of known as a local Bible teacher where Churches all around will ask him to come and teach. Just a young guy, really neat. Bottom left is uh, Lucas. His, actually, Lucas is his family name. His first name is Baby. Uh, but that's Lucas. He was with GFA for probably 30 years, Gospel for Asia. And uh, I don't know if you know what's gone on with Gospel for Asia. If you do, okay. If you don't, no big deal. But he's come out of it, and he's wanted to get back to his Calvary Chapel roots himself. And just where he's teaching verse by verse, pouring to uh, uh, guys. He translated for us, being in his presence. I mean, you just get the sense that you're just in the presence of a great man of God. I mean, this is a guy that would walk. They, they, they write stories about guys like this. He'd walk through the Himalayas, sharing the gospel. Wake up in the morning, Lord, who do you want me to talk to? And uh, Lord, are you going to provide anything to eat today? No? Praise the Lord. We'll start it all over tomorrow. And a neat guy. So we had a pastor's conference there in the south. Uh, this is the pastor's conference. And uh, we had about 80 pastors come out to it. 45 of them are, were affiliated with Gospel for Asia. They want to be affiliated with Calvary Chapel now. And so that was the pastor's conference. Here's a picture of the pastors afterwards. From there, we went to the central campus. Now, the central campus, um, this is an area of severe persecution. This is an area where our Bible college is here. You see it right there. You say, I know you say it looks just like a wall. That's because that's what it is. Uh, the Bible college is on the gate to the left. And that's, that's a, an area. This is an area that is 
again, so persecuted that just our presence there causes a big commotion. We show up, we have to go to the uh, police station, have to give them our passports, tell them what we're doing there, tell them why we're there, tell them who we're staying with, tell them how long we're going to be there, tell them when we're leaving. And uh, so we actually couldn't do a pastor's conference or anything like this. But you know what's great is this is the, this is the uh, Bible college that I teach via Skype one time a week. We, we have classes where American pastors are Skyping in uh, every day. Uh, Pastor Daniel and Pastor Jacob is going to teach a class this semester. And I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I didn't ask Pastor Zeke because he's going to go there and teach. It's going to be great, you know? So, uh, yeah, amen, right? <laughs> Pastor Zeke, Pastor Zeke. Anyway, you know, uh, here the classes have always been about five to seven students. But there on the right, that gate on the right, somebody gave us that property to use. They wouldn't sell it to us, but they said you could use it. And now uh, we're going to use that as a dorm for women, so we're going to, uh, for the first time ever, have women start coming to a Bible college here in South Asia. And uh, it's going to double uh, the size of the classes at least. Uh, Pratim is really good at reaching out to the youth and sharing the gospel, seeing them saved, and then um, getting them plugged into uh, the Bible college. So always five to seven before. This semester we're expecting 20, 20 students. And so please pray for wisdom for us on how to um, go about. We need to build a bigger classroom at this place. Um, this is a picture of the classroom there. Uh, it's very small. I was surprised. The, the, the only view I've had of the classroom before me going is just what I see on my computer. They have a, you see they have a TV screen there. I Skype in. The pastors Skype in so they see us on the TV screen. And then the podium that's that's uh, there behind Tim on the lower left. Um, they place a, a laptop there with uh, cameras so that I can see them. And so that's how we go about it. We need to build a bigger classroom. And again, we just need to pray and ask God what he wants to do. And I love it because of this. This area, like I said, is so restricted for us to go there and teach is, is almost out of the question. But you know, God's word isn't chained, Right? I mean, man wants to keep the gospel out. Hey, God will just invent something like Skype, right? You know, we'll just Skype in. It's, it's awesome. I love it. And again, so persecuted. I just got to let you know how persecuted it is because we don't really understand this. The prime minister of this country has vowed by 2020 to eradicate Christianity from the country. All other religions also, but primarily Christianity. He's already engaged when he was the governor of a state. He's already engaged in... Not genocide because it's his own people. I, I, I don't know what the word is. Religious side? Christian side or something like that? He's killing Christians. As we're going through this area, we see people traveling on the street. They have this orange pole and flag on their car. or They have this orange flag on their motorcycles. And they're his followers that go out and drag people out of their house, beat them, torture them, kill them, burn their houses. I mean, it's real. It's a crazy thing to think about. Um, I'm talking to, you see in the picture on the left, the, the woman in the foreground is Vanita. The person, the man, uh, just to her left in the middle there is Pratim. Uh, that's, that's his wife, Vanita's wife. I was talking with Vanita's mom, and she said, you know, back in the day they used to sleep outside. It was so wonderful in the summer just to sleep outside. 
But now if you sleep outside, you're taking your life in your hands. That's what she told me. She's an elderly lady. It's just crazy to see that. But again, here we're having this youth night. Uh, yeah, we're not supposed to do it. What am I going to say? We did it, okay? <laughs> Fire me, I guess. I don't know. So this is Pastor Pratim and Vanita. He's the national director of this, of this work. Uh, boy, I tell you what, I don't like uh, food from this particular country. I thought, and then I went there. It's amazing. It's nothing like I've ever had before. And Pratim and Vanita, man, they, it's like a, a food heaven. It's amazing you go there. These are guys that are, that are working there. Uh, drone on the left, he's a graduate of the Bible college there. He's planting churches. Um, in the middle, Pahal Singh, if you know much about this area, Singh is a Sikh name. This guy was a Sikh priest. He gets saved. He works 25 years for Gospel for Asia. He, uh, he's coming out of Gospel for Asia now, and he's working with Calvary Chapel. We're, we're trying to bring him on board. And then Davis, just an administrative uh, uh, marvel. Uh, the crazy thing is Pratim, and, and you know, I'll probably mention this again. We've got to help him out. He's on his own. He's, he translates every Bible study. He teaches every Bible study that's taught there that's not taught by an American. He can never get sick. He can never uh, take, a time off, take a day off. So I want to show you this little video. Uh, six minutes and about our trip here. Let's see if we can get it working. There we go. Here we go. Sound? So... Just one comment I'll make about the video. You saw the older lady. She was holding up the papers there. That was Vanita's mom. She translated all of Chuck's books into their language, working on a bunch of Bible studies. That's what she was holding up was the translations. I mean, the work there is it's just been amazing. And God is doing a great thing. Hey, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up, please, to Matthew chapter 20. And then also put your finger in Matthew chapter 8. Okay. Matthew chapter 20, verse 17 through 20. Somebody might ask, well, why do we do all these things? I mean, why do we, why do we bother? Matthew, he records what Jesus said, Matthew 20, verse 17. says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Oh, yeah, could be. There you go. Matthew 28. You know, that's why I don't type my notes. You know, I do that all the time. I'm telling you. Matthew 28. If you want to turn there, I'll read it again. Anybody need to hear it again? You need to hear it again? Okay, here it is. This is the other reason I don't like recording, sir. <laughs> anyway, Matthew 28, for those that are just that way. <laughs> and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Matthew 28, verse 17, 18, or 17 through 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. 
Such a beautiful verse. I've been intrigued with this verse. I've been thinking about this verse for a lot of years. And the reason why is because of Matthew chapter 8. So if you look at Matthew chapter 8, verse 28 through 32, we have another story. Matthew records. It says, When he had come to the other side, to the country of the Gergesons, there met him two demons-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce so that no one could pass that way. Verse 29. And suddenly they cried out, saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a good way off there, were, there was a herd of, of many swine feeding. So the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, permit us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said to them, Go. So they, uh, when they had come out, they went into the herd of swine. And suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep place into the sea and perished in the water. I love Matthew 28 because of Matthew 8. And you may say, well, why is that the case? I don't, I don't get the connection. Why uh, are you intrigued because of, uh, with 28 with, because of Matthew 8? And the reason is because of one little word that's found in both of those passages. And that's the word go. You know, uh, when Jesus told the demons to go, you know what? They didn't obey. I'm sorry, they obeyed. They didn't argue. They didn't reason why they shouldn't have to go. They just went. They did it. They did what they were told to do. And yet in Matthew 28, we have what's called the Great Commission. In fact, it's a command to the church. The purpose of the church is to evangelize the world. Some, some Christians uh, see the Great Commission really more as a really good suggestion. You know, Spurgeon said we shouldn't pray whether or not we should go, because we've already been commanded to go. What we should pray about is whether we should stay. Do you know the biggest obstacle, surprising, the biggest obstacle for believers who feel like they're called to the mission field, the biggest obstacle uh, that, that they face, do you know what it is by any chance? Anybody? It's other Christians. It's other Christians. Other Christians want, for some reason I don't understand, they want to dissuade Christians from going to the mission field. They say things like, how will you support yourself? I mean, your kids won't have any friends. What are you going to eat? They don't, they don't have tacos there. You know, uh, They don't speak English. You won't be able to talk to them. I mean, I'm telling you, this goes on and on and on. Why don't you just wait till you're financially set and then go? I often wonder if Christians discourage other Christians from the mission field because they feel bad that they're not obeying the Great Commission. I don't know, but that's what I wonder in my heart. As of this month, there's 7.6 billion people in the world as of July 2018. 42% of the world has never heard the gospel. 42% or 3,192,000,000 people have never heard the name of Jesus. Would you do something with me right now? Just for a second, okay? Put your hand on your heart, okay? Either that or try to find a pulse, right? Can you feel your heart beating? Can you feel it? With every beat of your heart, somebody that's never heard about Jesus Christ dies in this world. 
It's amazing, isn't it? It's, it's crazy. With every beat of your heart, somebody's never heard about Jesus Christ dies. Or in other words, they go to hell. Eternally separated from God the Father. And it breaks God's heart. Breaks God's heart. Ezekiel 18.32, God the Father says, Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. John 3.16 is probably the most famous Bible verse of all, right? And you can probably quote it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you know the next verse? John 3.17. That says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God's heart is to see the world saved. He's entrusted to us the ministry of reconciliation. He's entrusted that ministry to you. He's entrusted to us the responsibility to preach Christ and him crucified to the world. And if you were, happened to be here last Thursday... Last Thursday, just a few days ago, uh, Pastor Zeke, he, just, he's, he talked about how he was contemplating the 4th of July and the freedoms we have in this country as Americans. And, you know, we live in a great nation and we have tremendous freedoms. And no matter where you come from today, no matter what your bank account looks like today, if you got just a few coins in your pocket, you got a dollar bill in your pocket. You got food in your refrigerator. You're one of the 1% wealthiest people in the world. That's amazing, isn't it? We're so rich. And I think there's a reason why God has given us this type of freedom, this type of ability. We're free. We have the ability to travel around the world almost completely unrestricted. And I think it's, he, gave us, he gave us that freedom. He gave us that ability just so that we would go. He wants us to share his message, the plan of salvation, with people that have never heard. You know what? The demons obeyed him when he told them to go. The question is, will we? It's a gift that God has given to us. This ministry of reconciliation, it's a privilege to lead people to Jesus Christ. To sit down with somebody and pray with them to receive forgiveness for their sins, to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And then after that prayer, it's such a privilege just to tell them that, you know what? God has made you a new creation. All those old things, they're passed away. You're new. The handwriting and requirements that was against you, it's been nailed to the cross, it's been taken out of the way. It's such a privilege to do that. He wants to give us his heart for the world. He wants us to reach out to the lost. Now, I have to be careful. Because I know we're not all called to be a missionary. I know that's true. We're not all called to live on a foreign field. That's my passion. My desire, my hope is different than what God has placed in your heart. I know that to be true, and I'm not in any way trying to be condemning, you know, or say that you're not a Christian because you haven't engaged in, you know, building the kingdom of God abroad. Uh, 
you know, I trust that all of you are sharing the gospel. I trust all of you are being a light for the people that, that you interact with, being a light for your family, friends, people that you work with. But I, I want you to pray, and I pray for all of us, that we would catch a bigger vision. My goal today is to stir your hearts for God to do something bigger in your life than you ever thought was possible. Jesus said in Acts 1.8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus wants to use us in places we've never been. He wants to use us amongst people that we've never seen. He wants to use us in places of different cultures. He wants to give us a burning heart for people that we don't understand what their language is. We don't understand them and they don't understand us. He wants our hearts to burn for the people he loves. And that's what the Bible teaches us. Someone might say, well, why international missions? There are plenty of people right here in Phelan, right here in the high desert that don't know Jesus Christ. And you know, the reality is that's true. But the truth is this. The more that people get involved in international missions, the more they'll have a heart for missions back home. That's an indisputable fact. I've seen it uh, hundreds of times in lives of people that I've taken to the mission field. It's indisputable. 1 Corinthians 16, 19, Paul says, For a great and effective door is open to me, and there are many adversaries. And the adversary there, he's talking about, you know, I mean, ultimately it's the devil, right? His desire is to hinder us in the work of of, uh, spreading the gospel. But the obstacles aren't closed doors, because Jesus opens those doors for us. The obstacles are things like fear. The obstacles are things like doubt, like apathy, you know? We, what we need to do is we need to press through those things. We need to go over some of the obstacles that we have in our life. We need to go around them. We need to, to sometimes just remove them, right? But what, what we, whatever it is that we need to do, what we need to do is not give in to those obstacles. God is going to do what God is going to do. He's going to... His desire is that all men be saved. And again, God is going to do what he's going to do, with or without us. But don't you just long to be part of what God's doing around the world? He allows us to take part in his work. And what a privilege it is. Well, you might ask, what can I do? Well, first you can pray. You can pray. You can pray for the work. Like I said, Pastor Daniel, Pastor Jacob, they're going to be teaching in class. Pray for God's anointing on them when they teach the class. Pray that God just speaks through them, that they just deliver the mail. You can pray about going on a trip. Um, you know, believe me when I say that it's not as crazy as it sounds, right? And I can promise you, if you're willing to live radically for the Lord, he's going to do radically, radical things through you. You know, I'll use myself as an example. I have no special abilities. I have zero special abilities. You know, it's not like I'm some anointed, gifted pastor that is able to teach. I mean, I get up here, I'm nervous, right? I talk, I'm shy. I'd rather not talk to anybody. But, you know, I was sincere when I said, Lord, use me. I give you my life. 
whatever you, you want to do with my life, I'm, I'm down with it. And you know what God has done for me? He's allowed me to, to live in three different continents. He's allowed me to preach on three different continents. He's allowed me to travel and teach and plant churches in eight different countries. And again, not because of anything about me, because you know what? If you know me, you would know I'm a mess. You know what? It's, it's comical that God would use some knucklehead like me. But you know, so that he gets all the glory, right? You can pray about giving to the work. We came back with a vision of what we estimate is going to take to continue forward. is about $140,000. And again, we don't have that kind of money, but God does. And God is using his people within the church to give to the work. And we need to raise $150 a month for each one of the 10 national pastors. That's all they need to live on, $150 a month. You know what? There are some months I probably spend that in coffee. I buy lunch. You know, I, I've blown 150 bucks. You know, it's all those guys need. We need to raise $250, $300 a month for Pahal to come on board as Pratim's assistant. Like I said, Pratim is in dire need of assistant. He translates every Bible study. And then and that's in the morning. Then he teaches all afternoon. And he doesn't take any time off. And he can't get sick. If he gets sick, the work stops. So we need to do something for him. Up until just recently, we needed to raise $1,600 for a motorcycle for Sam Veer because he doesn't have one. It looks like God has provided for that. We need to raise $2,500 for a car for Reuben. They're the director in the north. Because just imagine for a second riding a motorcycle in the winter in the Himalayas. Or how about in the summertime during the monsoon season? You know what? He needs a car. Um, and I'm happy to report that it looks like God may be providing that right now, too. We need to raise a, a, about $100,000 to buy land to build churches. We came back with a vision of seven new churches uh, that we need to build for people to meet in. there in the Himalayas, down in the south, place for the missionaries to go. Uh, another ch- uh, house, Sam and Amy, in that southern campus uh, as they have a family. And again, we're not all called to be missionaries And just listen real carefully. And again, I don't mean this to be condemning. I mean this to be encouraging. We're not all called to be missionaries. But every one of us here today is called to care. You're able to do more than what you think you can do. And again, I don't want to minimize prayer in the least. Giving money is the cheapest way to go in in building God's kingdom. But praise the Lord. And I don't want to diminish that either. You know, I'm just saying that there's so much each one of us can do. We can pray. We can adopt a missionary. This church can adopt a missionary and just supply his needs. And when the church needs something, man, just throw money at it. You know, they need a sound system. Hey, here's $1,000. Let's get you, get you a sound system. You need a guitar? Here's, I don't know what a guitar costs. Here's $1,000. You know, maybe that's a nice one. Maybe it's a junky one. I don't know. But, uh. You know, you individually can adopt a missionary. You individually can adopt a missionary. And it's not like some big scam on TV where you actually never hear from this guy again. You can actually disciple him, pour into him, Skype him just like I do, just like like Daniel and Jacob are going to do. You can pray. It's an important thing. You can give. And you know what little bit each one of us can offer to the Lord our God multiplies those things. 
It's amazing what God does with a little bit, huh? It's an amazing thing. It's his heart for his kids to be involved in his business, and that's saving the world. And the question is, how are we going to respond to that? Again, it's not to be condemning, it's to be encouraging. I hope you guys will pray about getting involved. I hope you guys will pray about what you can do. I hope each one of you, you know, I mean, I'm running out of time and I want to get this out. You know, I look out and, uh, you know, let's just be real, okay? We're kind of an older crowd, right? Okay, maybe not. Okay, <laughs> didn't, mean to, didn't mean to mention that. No, you know, we're an older crowd for the most part. And I'm so thankful for the verse that says God's eyes are looking to and fro throughout the world, looking for somebody's heart who's loyal towards him. I'm so thankful because it doesn't say looking for somebody who's young. You know, I don't know how old you are. Some of you are my age. (laughs) Some of you are older. I'm 60. Some of you maybe 65, 70, 75, 80. Do I hear 85, 90, going once, going twice? God's heart is to use you like you've never been used before. What will you do with that invitation? Let's pray. Lord, so thankful for uh, this opportunity to share what you're doing here in South Asia. And Lord, I pray you would break our hearts, Lord. Break our hearts for those that have never heard of our precious Savior. It's never heard the name of Jesus. It's never heard that you went to the cross for their sins. Lord, break our hearts, Lord. Break our hearts. Open our eyes to see why you've given us the freedom, why you've given us the things you've given us, Lord. We love you. We praise you. We give you glory. In your name we pray. Amen.